Hello, Scott Posley here. Thank you for joining another episode of Imperfection Wellness, the podcast. And I am recording in a small apartment and it is right on the street. And so you're going to hear possibly some horns honking and noises in the background. And we're going to go ahead and ignore that and just let it be perfectly imperfect. So today we're going to talk about awareness. And awareness is the first step in Posley's paradigm. But before I get to that, I want to back up a bit and go back into some of what I said in the introduction episode. Imperfection Wellness and imperfectionwellness.com is a wellness program I created for the perfectly imperfect. And we are all perfectly imperfect. I think of imperfection wellness as the umbrella. And some of the pillars or some of the concepts within that umbrella is this podcast, where we have ongoing discussions and hopefully engaging discussions at some point where we can get guests and people to call in. Also want to teach people how to meditate. I'm becoming a meditation teacher. I graduate June 2024. And the benefits of meditation, how we can put it into our lives, knowing we're already busy. Additionally, I'd love some virtual group discussions. So in a Zoom world, in a virtual world, having discussions, uh, whether it's a weekly dialogue or an engaging discussion on a topic, having that connection, bringing people together, that's ultimately the goal. Another, another pillar that I want to talk through with Imperfection Wellness is what I call Posley's Paradigm. And Posley's Paradigm is what we're going to be talking about in the next several episodes of this podcast. It's nine concepts, and I don't know if each concept needs its own episode, but we'll definitely be talking through that, those nine concepts. I believe mental health is a human right. I have struggled with depression on and off my entire life. I have struggled to find answers. I have felt lost and broken, and I found through creation of this paradigm, these nine concepts have helped me so much, and I need to share it. I need to share it as broadly as possible. So since I honestly feel and believe that mental health is a human right, this information has to be easily and freely accessible with options for everybody. So the website will house that, imperfectionwellness.com, as I mentioned, as well as this free podcast, as well as other resources, which will be coming, and ultimately a book, which covers all of the paradigm, getting to the why, and explaining how it's helped me. But we're going to go ahead and do that in this podcast as well. So when I look at this paradigm, the concepts within it are not new to you, most likely. They might be new to some of you. Some of them might be new, but many of them are age old. And I put them in this framework because it helped me get unstuck from pervasive thoughts. Pervasive thoughts that I thought were true, thoughts that I believed. This paradigm has single-handedly helped me more than any one element of it. And I've learned these elements from so many amazing teachers over the years, whether they be in person, like a therapist, whether it's a book I read, and I'm gonna be sharing all of this with you throughout this journey. And once I pulled this together, and pulled myself out and dissociated or realized I was separate from my thinking. I wanted to share this with as many people that would listen to this message. So as I said, I don't claim to have any ownership of these concepts. The only thing I did was put this paradigm together. I put these concepts into a framework. And what I do is present this framework and how to apply them to your life. 
I know there are many people like me who were stuck and, and felt hopeless, depressed, anxious, fearful, worthless. Because we believe these thoughts, I did, and I've talked to people in my life, and I know I'm not alone. And they've asked me, how do we get unstuck? And that's what this is for. I have found fulfillment from within, contentment, happiness. And happiness, I think, is a loaded term because people are like, oh, we shouldn't seek happiness. I disagree. There's happiness from within. And then within that happiness from within, when the world shifts on us and someone pulls out, pulls the rug out from under you, you're going to have a bad day. You're still going to have bad moments. You're going to cry. You're going to be angry. I, you're going to have your full gamut of emotions. But there's going to be something internal that we now have, that I now have. And that's what I want to share. I think it's just so wholly important. Yes, it's nice to have a good job. Yes, it's nice to have a nice car. Yes, it's nice to have a nice house or apartment. But what if one of those variables changes? What happens when we age? What happens when we think our beauty is fleeting or changing? And how do we hold on to that? And what happens when that changes? Do we fall apart? Do we grasp at straws? Do we cling? That's, that's what we're trying to at least look at. It lets us enjoy what we have, but we're not dependent on having these things for our joy. So that's what I talk about with inner happiness, inner contentment, inner fulfillment. Very honest from the get-go, I am going to make mistakes. I am possibly going to get some of this wrong sometimes. And that's the perfectly imperfect concept. So we're going to do this together. I have been living these concepts and learning from them for months now. And it's literally reshaped my life. So experientially, I have this to share with you and I will. I'm also not the content expert of these concepts. I know them. I live them. When I put them to work for me, I know the world around me changed, or I should say I changed and I now interact with the world differently. I still have thoughts that come and go. I still feel worthless at times. <laughs> but now I know that I'm separate from that thought. I know that that's not my true self. And that these thoughts generate from the ego. We're going to talk about that in a moment. I don't feel broken anymore. I, I, I don't believe I'm worthless anymore. The thoughts still come in. The feelings are sometimes there, but now I know it's separate from me. I no longer look for happiness outside of myself. Yes, there are things I look forward to. Yes, there are things I enjoy. But I know that whatever that little dopamine fix is, that, that like I get on a post or that package that shows up that I ordered something, that little dopamine boost that we get that, you know, feels great. Eating ice cream. <laughs> I love ice cream. You get that boost. Oh my God, I want more. I want more. <laughs> to be fair, too much. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's when we get so heavily associated with it and once that pleasure is gone or once that item is gone, the feelings creep back in. And those feelings would creep back in for me and I would numb, usually numbing agent of choice for me was alcohol. That was always a fail safe. Nervous, drink. Upset, drink. Had a bad day, drink. Had a good day, drink. Out with friends, drink. 
And I'm not knocking drinking. I, through this process, I am doing my best to remove judgment. So during this podcast series, if you feel anything I say is in judgment of, that is not the intent. My intent is to remove judgment. When we remove judgment, we can start looking at something from all angles. We can appreciate it better, understand it better. So I'm trying to take judgment out. So I'm not critiquing drinking. I'm not critiquing overeating. I'm not critiquing over exercising. But those are three common things that people do in order to cope or numb or feel something. And exercise is great. But what happens when you overexercise? And I had a period in my life where I was an overexerciser and I was doing my body harm. So again, I don't critique that. I don't judge that. I let go of that. And we'll talk about letting go in a later episode. These egoic thoughts that you think are from you. I thought they were from me. I thought they were me. I thought they were true. And what I realized is those egoic thoughts will always be there. How do I separate from them? So I... I now might have a bad day and I'll be sad, but I also realize when I'm sad, that doesn't mean I can't feel fulfilled. So I, that's new for me. This is a new feeling for me in 2023 that I can be sad, but still have a fulfillment that I'm going to be okay. There's a calmness within my center because I'm more centered. So I still feel the gamut of emotions I've talked about. Separating from them has given me hope. It's given me a new lease on life. It lets me come back to living in the present moment. So when I share all of this with you, this is what I hope you get out of listening here. I have gone to so many seminars, webinars, talked to therapists, watched an amazing motivational speaker on TV, and I got, yes, I got this. Oh, today's going to be amazing. And then you turn the TV off, you walk out of the presentation, you go back to your real life, and your boss sticks you with a bad assignment, someone cuts you off in traffic, you get a nasty comment on social media, you look in the mirror and don't feel your best, and suddenly your life crumbles, your brain crumbles. All those tips and tricks, suddenly, that you just learned, are gone. So I created tools. The easiest tool are the nine concepts within Posley's paradigm. And so we're about to start talking through that. With this tool, you're literally going to have a reference sheet. It's on the website right now. The nine concepts are not a secret. Uh, As I said, I didn't create the nine concepts. I interpreted them. I put them in a framework that works for me. And so that tool is going to help you day in, day out. I'm creating a journal and a book to talk through these step by step. And I was never someone who journaled. But I got to tell you, when I started doing my affirmations, my gratitude, when I started doing the action step, when I started leaning in, letting go, surrendering, forgiving, all the different steps, my life changed. So that's what this journey is about. This is how I want to help you help us, help each other. Um, little shameless plug. There's one race the human race. We are more alike than we are different. But what happens is we focus on the differences based out of fear. 
based out of, I guess, for lack of a better word, propaganda, that it's us against them and it's not. It's us together. So take a little mini self-assessment of how you feel now and maybe at the end of the episode where I talk about the ninth concept and how to apply it over these next few weeks because I do think you'll feel a change. I'm pretty much guaranteeing your life will be different after learning this and I am so grateful to have learned it and was inspired to put it into this framework called Posley's Paradigm. So what I want to do now is talk through a couple of terms that I frequently use that either you may not use or you may have a different interpretation of them. Life is semantics and yes words matter but being perfectly imperfect I want to move forward knowing this podcast a year from now I might not say some of the stuff I'm saying today but I'm instead of worrying about that I'm going to put my best foot forward and do my best to present to you information that I find extremely helpful and then share that with you. So a couple of the concepts I want to talk about today are the true self, the ego, and present moment living. Let's start off with true self. This ties into what I've been saying. The true self is where we aspire to be. It's it's what the paradigm sets out to help us find. The true self is fulfilled and finds happiness from within. And the true self realizes when I have thoughts or while I have thoughts, I'm separate from those thoughts. They are not the real me, they're not the true self. And when I'm in my true self form, I appreciate fleeting externals. I appreciate the job, the job title, my apartment, what have you. But I am more than them, I'm not defined by them. So when we are aligned and associated with our true self, we are strong even when we feel weak. We know we can do it even when the odds seem stacked against us because we have our self-worth from within. It's not from an external source. Again, we can enjoy those external things, but our self-worth is from within. This gives us an internal strength that isn't taken away by time or worldly possessions because it's within us. It's only for someone else if I choose to share it with them. I give away what I want to give away. My energy is mine and I decide who gets it. And before, I sometimes felt like a victim of happenstance, like I had to share it with them automatically. And we inadvertently give away our precious energy. We give away a part of ourselves to others who don't realize this themselves because they're stuck in thought. They don't appreciate it. So this brings us back to we're all learning this together, aligning with our true self. The next concept I want to briefly talk about, and again, we'll talk about this more throughout, is the ego. The ego is the voice within that gives our sense of self, gives us our identity. It's the I, quote unquote I, it's the quote unquote me within all of us. And the way that I understand it, and again, there's Freudian ego and there's spiritual awakening ego, my term spiritual awakening ego. Um, <laughs> But the ego starts with taking care of self first, family, loved one second, comfort third. So the ego is always in a me state of mind, which is why fear, anxiety, worry, and the flip side, overconfidence slash narcissism. I don't think overconfidence and narcissism are a slash, so I take that back. Overconfidence, um, arrogance, 
going to the extreme of something like narcissism, are also ego-based. Yes, there are disorders within this spectrum, so again, taking it out of psychology and going to kind of an awakening mindset. The ego makes sure that my needs are met, even if it means keeping everything for me when there's plenty to go around. The ego generally comes from a place of lack or scarcity, not enough. Again, it can also come from a place of lack and scarcity, all mine, to that arrogance place. For me, it would take me to a feeling bad about myself, less than cower standpoint. So the ego can cause people to cower. The ego can cause people to overcompensate. Um, egomaniacs, again, just, just standing on that pedestal, expecting everyone to bow. A lot of this is ego-based with, again, that mental illness. There are true diagnoses out there, and that's not what this paradigm is for. That's not what we're going to talk about here, but it is on the table. So in working through this paradigm, be aware that we have ego. I don't fight the ego. I don't avoid the ego. I don't try to destroy the ego. The ego is not bad. It's not something to overcome. It is something we live with because it's a part of us. To think is to have an ego. To be alive is to have an ego. Um, that's it, it, it just what it is. It does serve us. It's a filter. It filters the world around us. It interprets the world around us. It's trying to make sense of the information from the external world, consciously and unconsciously. Fight or flight, survival. That is all tied in this, you know, age-old part of us. It, it shapes our perceptions of the world as well as our, our, as well as our thoughts of the world. And I think of the interplay of thought and ego is where we have this development of our values, beliefs, and self-image. So interplay, it's an ebb and flow. It's not a rigid black and white gray. So this in turn influences our thoughts that we have about ourselves and the world and the people around us. And that can go in positive and negative ways. So we learn to live with the ego, become aware when we're associated with or identified with the ego, when we're missing out on present moment living. And I, I used to say, I don't say it as often, but I used to say if I'm thinking about something or overthinking or rethinking, I'm usually in ego because I'm missing out on present moment. I'm living in fear-based, worry-based, anxiety-based, depression-based thinking. That's generally ego. Because going back to that true self, when I'm in true self, I'm, I, I have a foundation, I have a strong foundation. And again, there are formal distinctions, which a content expert in psychoanalytics, <laughs> psychoanalysis, um, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, someone who's you know a doctorate in psychology is gonna have different ideas, but I go over three types of egos that I've identified. And again, this is my interpretation, so take that how you want to. But I call the three types of egos that kind of come out to play a lot are the insecure ego, the morality ego, the narcissistic ego. There are some journals and articles, textbooks. They're gonna agree with some of what I say, disagree with other, again, that's, that's fine. I just wanna kind of conceptualize these and share them with you. When I talk about ego, what do I mean? 
So what I call the insecure ego, I think that comes out of, that arises out of fear. That's the ego that says you're not enough. It arises out of attachment and says you're nothing without this person. You're nothing without this worldly possession. You're nothing without this, this item. Whether it's the newest car, the fanciest mobile phone on the market. I'm better if I have this type of cell phone. Is it a blue bubble or a green bubble when I text someone? Ha ha. <laughs> we joke, but we know certain people enjoy a certain color when they see a text. That's ego. I'm not critiquing. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's, that's ego-based because texting is the core value. Texting is what we want to do to communicate with the person. It doesn't matter what color the bubble is. That's an example. Um, ego also arises out of desire. You will be happy when. You'll be happy and have self-worth once you attain this job, this job title, this weight, a number on a scale, this socioeconomic status, this way of looking perfect or having a partner who completes you. That is ego. And I call that the everyday ego. This ego voice says to me, in a bad, when I'm having a bad day, you're worthless, you're fat, you're ugly, you're aging, you need a better job, you need a better title, you aren't good enough. And this is the what I call cruel ego that I refer to mostly in the paradigm because this is the ego I lived with. And it's the ego that I've had my entire life. I, I am an undercompensator. So I think there are people who undercompensate, normal compensate, meaning they kind of just those people who just kind of go with the flow, and then overcompensators. I was an undercompensator. So the insecure ego was my daily ego. One ego that I think many humans share is the morality ego. The morality ego arises out of fear and adds judgment, saying, can you believe she did that? I would never do that. That's how they raise their kids. <laughs> I don't have kids, but I would never if I were a parent. I would never do such a thing. I can't believe they did. They shouldn't either. Or, oh, you do that? Mm, I don't. I'm, I'm better than you for my choices. You might not say that, but you think it. The ego thinks it. So it's a part of you, but it's separate from you. But it's it's that judgment. Um, I would never live my way of life. Oh, that's a choice. Why are they choosing that? Is it a choice? Is it your business? That's, that's the ego coming out to play. And again, separation. It creates separation because a lot of times the ego is trying to take care of self. And if it's using fear-based, judgment-based, that's, that's how it thinks it's preserving self. But evolutionarily speaking, hundreds of thousands of years ago, we might have needed that separation. But now when there's plenty to go around, we can come together and actually help each other and literally make this world a better place. Sounds cliched. So the morality ego comes across as judgment putting me above them. If you look at the political party system in the US being split into two colors, and it's either, it's all or none. And I was talking to a friend a month or so ago, and I said, do you remember when we could have discourse and discussions and there was purple? It was like, it wasn't so extreme. And you, you mention a topic and it's so polarizing. And then it splits people. Oh, if you vote this, don't ever talk to me again. I'm not judging that a person has said that. But that's the ego coming out saying separate. 
I am separate from you. I am better than you. My, my, my vote is better than you. And listen, there are some tough choices when it comes to politics in this world. I'm not going to solve world hunger today. I'm not going to create world peace today. But I'm going to start by trying to change myself and helping other people change person by person. So I separate from that. I have to separate from that. It, it ate me alive. I, I couldn't watch the news. I still rarely watch the news. I'll read headlines because it's so toxic. It's so divisive. And there are going to be people who agree with certain core values that I have that are listening to this. There are going to be other people who think it's ridiculous to have some of the core values I have. I was born gay, period, end of sentence, without a question. I knew since I was a little kid. The first memory I had, which I didn't know what it was called, I was sitting next to a guy on my dad's softball team. I wasn't even in grade school yet, um, so I was probably four years old. And I didn't know what the crush was, but I knew I wanted to sit next to him, and I thought he was cute. Those aren't terms I used at the age of four, but I knew I had this attraction or wanted to be next to him. Now, how I was born is no one's business. And what I do is no one's business as long as I'm not harming anyone else. But we're su it's such a polarizing topic. Oh, LGBTQ people, they, they want all the special treatment. No. No, not true. We want the same treatment. We want what's equitable, as is guaranteed under our Constitution. That's, that's what this quote-unquote fight is for. And it's not a fight. It's, it's inadvertently media, politicians, others, taking these variables and making them political. So the sanctity of marriage is between two people who love each other, period. They commit themselves to each other, period. But we've created such rules around it. Oh, well, then I, I could never. I would never. Well, there we go. Morality, ego. Switching gears, we're going to talk now about the narcissistic ego. So narcissistic ego also arises out of fear. A lot of this is fear-based. But it places itself, people, people so associated with the narcissistic ego place themselves far above others. They say to your, they say to themselves, you got this, you're better than all of them. Let's group together, band against this group, protect ourselves. Let's, let's take care of self. Those who look like me, act like me. Um, favorable in my mind. They're not favorable better watch out they'll pay um, kind of a don't do as I do do as I say I don't have to walk the talk I, I don't have to you know do what I say because I'm the boss I'm 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 superior to measly old you and I'm gonna surround myself with like-minded people so narcissistic ego still fear-based scarcity based not enough based because it's trying to protect everything for self and everything remember I said the ego focuses on self first, then family, community next, in immediate community. Well, if you look like me, act like me, talk, talk like me, vote like me, then you're like me, so I'll help protect you too. Anyone else, we're going to get. So 
I don't think that all encompasses narcissistic ego. I think there's other branches within that, but that's those are kind of the three egos that I talk of. All of these ego types are the voice that 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 little laughter you have when someone you like someone you don't like fails. It's the voice, the ego voice, trolls and leaves nasty anonymous comments. There's a term we created, which I'm not going to repeat here, but there's a term we created for a person when they change on a dime, they have a temper tantrum in public, and we label that person with a certain name. We shame them. We post in hopes of getting likes. We get joy out of the likes we get from that video of that person having a meltdown or a freak out. We post it to as many platforms as possible. I'm not judging any behavior. I'm not judging recording. I'm not judging posting. I'm not judging the person. What I'm trying to say is these three behaviors all are screaming ego. It is protecting self over other. I would never do that in public. I can't believe he or she did that. I'm going to post this because this is hilarious. True self would never do that because true self has empathy. And if we can start becoming aware when that ego moment happens, and I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, you're not going to like what I'm about to say. As many years as I've been doing this work on separation from ego, just the other day, the ego came in and swept me off my feet, knocked me down. But this time I knew I was an ego. I, I became aware quicker. And I didn't stay down as long as I have in the past. I knew this was fleeting. I knew this would pass. I knew I was going to come back into present moment living, present moment reality, true self-thinking. So I still get, I, I'm not different because I'm aware of this. I'm not different because I'm explaining this on a podcast and writing a book about it. I'm taking concepts and sharing them because I'm fallible. I'm perfectly imperfect. So this still happens to me. But if we're aware, um, when that person has that public meltdown, instantly I go into empathy. Oh my goodness. They're so associated with their ego. They're so righteous right now. They're throwing a cup of coffee at somebody. They're screaming and yelling and verbally attacking or kicking someone's car. Road rage. We're, 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 we're quick to slip into that ego. And that ego says protect self. And if I perceive a threat from you as a customer service employee, as someone serving me coffee at a coffee shop, and I feel threatened because I'm so associated with my ego, I'm going to go on the lunge and I'm going to go on the attack. So that's what we're talking about with ego. Um, additionally, we, we have, you know, a news cycle that preys on us not critiquing it <laughs> I'm not but how do you get people to watch a 24 7 news cycle how do you get ratings they they know how to hook us and I think of a fish hook you know how a fish gets hooked on the side of the mouth when they're you know trying to get away and they get hooked or like flypaper and it's the fear, the doom, the destruction, death, fear. They're coming to take over. They're coming to take our children. They're coming to ruin our values. The earth is ending. The climate's hotter. Um, the politicians are coming to get us. This color and this, this party is doing this and this party's doing that. And 
this capitalizes on the ego's fear that we've so heavily associated with. We've started believing opinions as facts, tall tales, lies, stories, opinions are now truth. And that's because we've stopped creating a space where if I like chocolate ice cream, that does not take away from the value of vanilla ice cream. It just means I'm, if I have an option between chocolate and vanilla, I'm going to choose chocolate. And in all honesty, I'm going to choose vanilla. <laughs> it's not about the ice cream, but you get my point. Liking one thing does not negate the other. But that's what has happened. Our opinions are so strong. And think back to an opinion you had a year ago. Is it the exact same intensity or the exact same opinion as it was today, as it is today? What about an opinion you had five years ago, 10 years ago? Is that opinion exactly the same? Probably not. Opinions change. Sometimes facts change. Scientific fact. Science has evolved and we do our best to learn and make sure our facts are facts. But just be aware that the ego loves, this is, this is candy for the ego, these, these half-truths, these stories, these tall tales. So I kind of said I feel at times like we're in the era of the ego. And maybe we've always been there, but because the rules seem to have changed and every generation has said, it wasn't like that when I was growing up. So I'm not going to say that. But I will say there is, with all these connected devices, all these dings, all these bells, all these whistle, whistles, social media, um, we want to be careful. Or at least maybe we want to be aware that there's something else at play separate from our true self, and that's the ego. So... A lot of times when we're associated with ego and egoic thoughts, we, a lot of times we feel less than. Again, that's how I always felt. Again, other people are gonna feel entitled, overcompensate, so there's, there's a spectrum here. It's not finite, but it's usually fear-based, and that overcompensation thinking we're better than any, most, some people, um, that's the false self. And what we're trying to do is become aware of that. When we are so heavily associated with our ego, this is what leads many to fear, anxiety, self-loathing, self-worthlessness, depression. Because we're so associated as one with these thoughts, we believe them, I believe them, I thought it was true. When my ego said I'm worthless and I looked in the mirror, I thought it. It's from me, so it must be true, so I guess I'm worthless. And I don't know how many therapists and psychologists, psychiatrists, and people I went through, through uh, went to to talk to medications and antidepressants I was on to try and figure out why these thoughts wouldn't stop. I thought I was crazy. I thought I was broken. I'm not. I'm not. You're not. If you associate with your thoughts, and again, you can associate with good thoughts. <laughs> they may not. Still may be ego-based. But it's... It's such a different, better place. So the reason I'm so passionate about this is because for so many years, that attachment 
was so strong to my ego. And when these feelings came up, fear-based feelings, anxiety-based feelings, depression-based feelings, when it becomes too much, we turn to something to help us feel better. And I mentioned that earlier. People turn to drugs, sex, alcohol, overeating, compulsive shopping, compulsive exercising, other behaviors which mask, help us avoid, suppress, repress how we feel when we're in association with this false self. And this false self gets in the way of our day in, day out happiness. It's led people to commit crimes. It has led people to assault other people. It has led people to hurt themselves, kill themselves. And as someone who's been on the brink of suicide and felt that horrible feeling, that is why my passion is so strong to educating people and spreading the word on this paradigm. So within that false self, a lot of times we'll, we'll try to put ourselves in some kind of a control, a false self of control. And really the only way to truly gain control is by letting go. Realizing we're separate from this ego so we can uncover our true self. Think of any person, think of the worst person you can in the world at the age of one. And very likely you have a different image of that person. Is that their true self? Most likely. Things happen, unfortunately, to kids age one and under, but for the most part, that, that one-year-old, that boss who you despise, probably at one, they were probably okay. That's a true self. You have that within you. And if you are that bad boss, you may not know it. And if you do know it, probably ego-based, probably ways to change it. So we go back to this true self. We find self-love, peace, tranquility, peace of mind. We find a calm from within in this present moment. Fears, anxieties, depression leave or lessen. We, we find happiness and fulfillment from within. And we, we look to transcend this, these feelings of fear, lack, scarcity, anger, and move towards love, happiness, joy, and peace. It's just such a better place to be, in my opinion. It's what we were born to do. Through my meditation teacher training, and I'll have more on this later in the series, this is our birth or birthright, to have fulfillment and happiness in the now, regardless of the situation. And believe me, I'm still working on that. More to come. But we have to start somewhere to solve the problem. So I say we start with ourselves. Having compassion for self, so you're definitely going to have compassion for yourself as you learn and grow. I'm having thoughts and memories and things that happened 20 years ago that I'm like, dear God, why did I do that? I know I hurt that friend. Oh my God, why did I do that? Okay, stop. <laughs> your storytelling, your time traveling, forgive yourself. So, so have some self-compassion and therefore have compassion for others. If you're making mistakes, so are other people. Create space. And listen, I have a family that I'm close with and I've thanked each of them <laughs> over the last couple of years for putting up with me because I always thought that I was a difficult son and brother. And they're like, no, we love you unconditionally. They really do. Um, but have compassion for others because they're on their journey too and they might not know what you know. Share this podcast with them. Um, share this podcast with as many people as you want. And I can honestly say, while I want people to hear this, it has nothing to do with ratings. It has nothing to do with likes. 
it has to do with, I honestly believe this is one of the most important messages you're going to hear in your lifetime. I say that with confidence. Why? Because for 40 years, I was in and out of depression, passive suicidal ideation, sometimes active suicidal ideation, and I was lost. And that being lost was such a hard place to be because I didn't think life was worth living. I faked it. A lot of times I used alcohol to numb. There were definitely times where I had fun. I've, I've talked with friends and family like, why didn't you tell us we had no idea? Like when we saw you at this party, you seemed fine. There were many moments where I was fine, but it's when I went back to my apartment living by myself that the voice, the egoic voice would creep in. And I didn't know that that voice was separate from me. I fought that voice. Um, I hear people say all the time, oh, I'm an overthinker. I have so many thoughts. You know, that's just me. You're right. Humans have 6,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. I'll say that again. Not right now. I'll say it later. <laughs> it's in one of the paradigm sections. But yes, we are overthinkers because we have thoughts. And if you associate with them, they're going to they're gonna ruminate and circle over and over these pervasive thoughts in your brain. So that's why we want to come back to present moment. When we're aware of this ego, being our true self, now we come to this third concept. And that's what I call present moment, present moment living, present moment reality, anything present moment based. When I say present moment or true self, that means I am aware I'm separate from my ego and I'm okay. So much of my life, I always ruminated about the past. Why did I do that? Why did I do this? Why didn't I say that? Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't say that in the moment. What if this happens? God, should I do this? Oh, I could do that. I was so overwhelmed with choices that I didn't know what to do and at times I was frozen. People didn't see that, I was able to hide it. And many of you are able to hide it. Our thoughts, as I said, are pervasive. They ruminate, they circle. And to be human is to have thought and to overthink. And so we try to untie from them, separate from them, so we come back to present moment. I think so often now, I don't know if I phrased that right, I'm gonna rephrase that sentence. <laughs> in, the, in the moment I'm in, I used to be the person who was always trying to take photos and videos and always remember it, always remember it, always remember it, having thousands of photos and videos that I've never looked at. And now I try to be in the moment and saying, is there a representation that can capture this moment that I want to save? Seven out of 10 times, the answer is no. And I go back to being in the moment instead of trying to capture it. I have thousands of photos that I'll never look at again. But over the past couple of months, I have a few photos that mean something to me. And then I do something with them. I usually post them on my personal social media I don't do it for the likes. I don't do it for the comments. I do it for me. I do it so that I have an easy time capsule that I can look back on of my highlights, not to live in the past, but to remember a good moment. And there are times where we're going to talk about actions. The action step is the ninth and last step. There are certain actions that do make us feel better. So when, when that comes up, we can look at that. But just remember, when you're in that moment, can you be in the moment? When was the last time you were at a concert? how many hundreds of phones were up in the air. And the next day, if you go to YouTube, you can usually Google that concert and see a much better video than the one you took. Wouldn't it be great to go to a concert where all the phones are down and people are just in the moment, supporting each other, supporting the artist, and just having a good time? So that's what we're talking about with present moment.
With present moment living, we are aware that life is lived in the here and now. Past is over, people. Cannot be changed. And oh, I fought that. I have fought that. We'll talk about that. We'll work through that together. And the future is unknown. It doesn't mean we don't try. So if I make a choice for today, that influences tomorrow. But there's still many variables outside of my control that that makes the future unknown. So we can influence it, but we don't have direct control over every aspect of tomorrow. So that's why we come back to the beauty, to the tranquility of present moment living. Fulfillment and happiness from within. Living in the present moment. Making choices in the realm of today. Aware that our future is influenced. But regardless of the outcome of these choices. If I have a plan to go from A to B, but I take a detour and go to C and then back to B... Can I still be happy and fulfilled? Absolutely. Because I'm living in that present moment and that's all we have. All right. So those were the three concepts I wanted to go over. And now with no drum roll, please, um, we are going to talk briefly <laughs> about Posley's paradigm, step one. And when I go in to talk about these concepts, my goal is to give you a broad understanding and some experiences I'll share. Um, others, I would love for you to use the polling system. So Spotify and other hosts, let me add either a open-ended question or a poll or leave feedback. You can even leave voice clips know that I would love to hear from you and I would love to include those in future episodes and definitely ask questions. I will not use names if you do not want me to, but I would love to have a Q&A either halfway through or at the very end because every any question you have, I've had it before and someone else is guaranteed to have it. So again, shift your thinking into, hmm, this is possibly something where I can improve how I feel about myself and help others. So please be engaging. Please interact with this podcast. And you can always reach out directly. Info at imperfectionwellness.com. Again, info at imperfectionwellness.com. Check out the show notes and the link as well for more information. All right. So I open up Posley's paradigm with awareness. And while... There's no specific order to follow when going through this paradigm as a tool. I, I did put it in a specific order because to me, each step builds on the prior. So the first launching point, the first step is what I call the launching point, And that's awareness. Awareness that we have thoughts that are based in the ego and that we are separate from those thoughts. That's awareness. That simple. While we have thoughts, we are separate from them. And I said this earlier, depending on what you read, there are estimates that people have anywhere from 6,000 to 60,000 to 80,000 thoughts a day. It's probably somewhere in between those numbers, but we have a lot of thoughts a day. And another step within awareness is becoming aware that when I'm associated with my thoughts, and often when I'm thinking about my thoughts, <laughs> I'm associated with where I'm stuck in that ego thought. And I'm also aware that when I'm in thought, 
I'm rarely in present moment. I, I think it's next to impossible to be in present moment when you're having ruminating thoughts and you're associated with them. You're usually in the past or the future. You're usually thinking about what happened or worrying about what might happen in the future. And that's what I call this roller coaster ride because there's no stability. So I, I committed to being open through creating this program. And that means being vulnerable. And if you don't know Brene Brown, she's phenomenal. <laughs> Look her up. <laughs> Look at her vulnerability talk or talks. And one thing I realized is for buy-in's sake, I don't know if that's the right term. That's not what I want to say, but I know vulnerability is going to be a part of this. And it's sincere. And just remember what people show is not always what they feel. And the reason I say that is because I'm going to share a story with you about being on the beach, which ties to awareness. And it was many, several years ago. And the reason I'm sharing it is because I didn't know that I was separate from my thoughts at that time. And it affected me so negatively. And what was hard for me is that the beach was always a safe haven for me. I grew up in a small rural farming town, literally surrounded by corn, soybeans, wheat. <laughs> Two hours south of Chicago in the middle of nowhere, beautiful farming town, beautiful people. But when I say middle of a cornfield, it's the middle of a cornfield. So the ocean, the beach, nature was always very special to me. And I was out at the beach with friends. It was Fire Island National Seashore, the Fire Island Pines. It is a gay, gay-friendly, ally-friendly getaway. And you'll see people of all shapes, sizes, and ages. But my brain would always go to the ultra-fit guys wearing their Speedos, looking like a 10 of 10 model. And I was walking along the beach one day and this feeling, this dark, gloomy cloud came over me so fast. I'd done a beach walk in the morning and it was gorgeous. I felt revitalized. I felt so at one with nature. And then I'm walking along the beach later in the day when everybody's out. And all that I did was compare myself to them. I judged myself. I compared I was so associated with ego thought and that ego thought was mean. It said, you're fat, you're ugly, <laughs> you're worthless. Who would want to be with you? Who would want to be friends with you? Now, flashback to high school, growing up, I ate my emotions. I couldn't drink at that time. I used drinking later on in life, but in high school I used food. So I peaked at 300 pounds. And peaking at 300 pounds is, is tough in high school. Not only were you bullied for being gay, but you were bullied for being fat. Horrible. That's, that's, we all have a backstory. We all have that. So I'm saying that as a matter of fact, because it doesn't matter anymore. It's, again, it's all what the ego says. So I'm activated back to that feeling of worthlessness. And then that stayed with me as a dark cloud. 
and I had to go drink. <laughs> and probably got a couple shots, a strong mixed drink. Never beer, empty calories, give me the vodka, give me the tequila, give me the whiskey, give me the hard stuff. That's the easiest way to numb. And after a few drinks, the ego gets numbed out. The buzz hits, the feelings come over, and I'm better. It, it neutralizes the egoic thoughts. I woke up the next morning hungover, and then I felt like crap because I abused my body by drinking a ton of alcohol, probably had regrets about something I said or did, overthought, then ruminated about ruminating, then felt worse, and then the cycle would just continue. And I looked in the mirror, and the only reflection I saw was ugly. I couldn't see beauty. I couldn't see true self. And there are still times where I look in the mirror and that ego voice, that ego thought comes in and says negative things. But the point of me sharing all this with you is, here I am at a beautiful place, gorgeous place. Here I am with great friends. And all that I could do was feel bad about myself. I was not aware that my ego was comparing, that my ego was judging, and that my ego was having these thoughts. I was so associated with them. So now that I'm separate from them, fast forward to a few months ago when I was at the beach, do I look like everyone else at the beach? No, I look like me. Is that better or worse? It's neither. Is that good or bad? It's neither. I stop comparing, I stop judging, and I become aware that I am an ego. And again, awareness is step one. We're going to go through other um, steps to explain how to get um, separate from ego. But the first step is be aware that you have thoughts that are ego-based. Most, many, a lot of your thoughts are ego-based. And if they're ever judging you or comparing you, you can be guaranteed they're ego-based. Because all that true self is going to say is, you're amazing. I'm an amazing person true self. I may not like you, but you're an amazing person. True self. You're a piece of garbage. I'm a piece of garbage. Egoic self. So we're aware of that. And we come back to the awareness of I'm out of present moment now. I am everywhere else but in this moment. I'm at the beach and I'm miserable. I'm not in present moment because I'm stuck and associated with the ego. So it goes back to that comment of, oh, I have so many thoughts, I'm an overthinker, I can't stop thinking. Absolutely. Now you're just gonna be aware that you are having those thoughts and you're gonna be aware that you're separate from them. And the hardest part is when you're in it to realize it. So in the beginning, it may be a day later, two days later, a week later, and you're gonna be like, oh my God, I just remember what he said. That wasn't me, that was my ego. Holy cow, how did it sneak up on me? Because that's what the ego does. It's had your entire life to sneak up on you. It knows how to play the game. And I, I kind of uh, humanize <laughs> my ego and I call him Tasmanian Scotty, Taz Scotty. And Taz Scotty having that helps me understand that Taz Scotty has thoughts that are separate from me. 
I don't believe he's a real, actual thing. I know he's a concept in my brain, but I even had a little figurine once, and I would look at that little figurine and be like, oh, Taz Scotty, you have some mean things to say. Interesting. I'm aware of you. We're going to get along fine. Remember what I said earlier, we don't fight the ego. We don't try to kill the ego. We, we don't try to make the ego disappear. The ego and the egoic thoughts are always there. I hugged him. I, I mentally pictured Taz Scotty once and I hugged him. He ripped my arm off. He ate my face off. He tried to kill me, destroy me. Literally, this is kind of a mental image I had. And I stopped judging. I stopped fighting. I stopped comparing and judging. I just let go and I smiled and hugged him. And I started crying. There is some of us, there is some young self, there is some trauma, some bad experiences, some, some things in our lives that happen that are within that Taz Scotty or your version of Taz Scotty. One of my friends is like, well, what's my ego? And I'm like, oh, it's little s, like whatever your name is, the first letter, little s, little t, little Scotty, little Scott, Tasmanian Scotty. So um, that for sure is something that we can do to separate ourselves when we're in those moments. So Taz, Scotty, and I are now friends. Um, I'm more of a friend to him than he is to me. Um, and I laugh because, again, it just helps me realize when I'm back in egoic thoughts, and it'll happen. As aware as you think you are, it'll happen. And remember, I said, have self-compassion. It's okay. Start being aware. There are so many things we do that are routine. You waking up in the morning and stepping foot into work, there are so many things that you don't think about along the way. When we bring awareness into our actions we can start pushing intention and we'll talk about intention later so that awareness is key be aware that i am in thought and it's coming from ego and sometimes just look at the thought and say i'm separate from you say it i am separate from you write it on a piece of paper have one in your car have one in your wallet have one in your bedroom nightstand have one in the kitchen have one in the bathroom I am separate from you. And I've literally said that. Because there are times where it happens unbeknownst to me and I can be happy and then boom, this cloud comes over, this feeling. But now I know that cloud is separate from me. Now I know that cloud is probably my ego. And when I think about it, it usually is. And I say, I'm separate from you. And I turn my head towards intention. So. Be aware and then be aware of storytelling, storytelling with fragments, storytelling with half-truths, and time travel. So what do I mean by that? We have a situation come up and suddenly the world's coming to an end. We play out a thousand scenarios and we start storytelling. Those thousand scenarios are the storytelling. Usually they're with fragments, meaning we don't have the whole story or we're assuming certain things are gonna happen. And so we use those story fragments to story tell, and then we time travel into the future. Oh my God, I can't believe this is gonna happen next week. It 
probably won't. And if it does, you're going to be in acceptance at that point. But when we're aware that we storytell, when we're aware that we storytell with half-truths and fragments, and we time travel, sometimes we time travel backwards. God, I can't believe I didn't say that. God, I can't believe I didn't do that. I just, if I only would have done that, my life would have been perfect. If I just would have done that one thing. No, sorry. Here to tell you, here to be the bad guy, that's not true. Something else would have happened. And we'll go through letting go and forgiveness and attachment, but sticking right now with storytelling and time travel. Be aware when you're time traveling, you're an ego. Be aware when you're storytelling, you're an ego. And the stories we tell ourselves are so vivid and real and detailed. And they usually end in a negative. Not always. Again, undercompensators, normal compensators, overcompensators. As an undercompensator, my stories ended negatively. So once I realized I was time traveling and storytelling, I still do it. Now I just say, Taz Scotty, I see you. I'm separate from you. That's a story and you're time traveling. And sometimes that's all I need to do. Other times I'll say that and then I'll get up and play music. We'll get to the actions portion in the last episode, the last concept, as I said. But again, what is that action that you're going to do that helps you get unstuck? But right now we're sticking with awareness. And with awareness, be aware of comparisons and rating systems. Uh, one one thing I, I heard when I was uh, training as a physician assistant, I worked clinically as a physician assistant and an administrator for 20 plus years in New York City, loved it. Um, some of the best and worst times in my life. But I remember what they said, um, what do you call a doctor who graduates last in their class? Or what do you call a doctor who gets the lowest score on their boards? Doctor. Or PA, or nurse, or lawyer, or whatever it is. We have so many comparisons and rating systems, but the ego only wants to be the best. So I was not the best in my class as a PA, but I was very good as a bedside PA. Academically, wasn't my strength. Interacting with my patients, that was my strength. But I didn't compare and I didn't rate. Professionally, I always knew I was spot on. I knew the work ethic my parents raised me with. If you want it, you got to work hard, you got to sacrifice, you got to double up the effort, you got to come in early, you got to stay late. That's what I was brought up with. I did that. So professional life, I was successful. My personal life, I struggled. Um, but that being said, comparisons and rating systems come in even in my professional life. They got promoted? Why are they vice president? They do nothing. Do you see how much work I do? And my ego went crazy. What about this? What about this? You do this, you do that. And all of a sudden the comparisons and the ratings came in and I'm like, just everything crumbled. And it happened time and time again. I got overlooked and other people got promoted. The warm body syndrome, I call it. We think everyone's a warm body. You only know what you see. You don't know what goes on behind the scenes. So we're comparing and rating. That is ego. Just be aware. That is your ego. And lastly, within awareness, is a concept that 
I recently came to be friends with. <laughs> and that is attachment. And the way that I can best describe attachment is by using the possessive term, my. When it's my, then it's possibly an attachment. So there's attachment to people, there's attachment to loved ones, um, there's attachment to titles, there's attachment to vehicles, to houses, to spouses, to stuff. And attachment goes beyond what I talked about earlier. You can have something and enjoy it, but when it defines you, it becomes attachment. My car, if there's a scratch on my car, I'm gonna lose it. I would die if anything ever happened to my loved one or my spouse or my child. What if, what if, what if? Oh my God, my stuff is lost. Where's my stuff? What am I gonna do? Attachment is enjoying what you have to the nth degree in the wrong direction. I, again, am not judging or critiquing having things. I'm kind of a digital nomad right now. Everything I do is on my laptop. I'm very possessive of it. If I lost it, I would not die. <laughs> I would have a grounded center, but I would be angry, upset, sad. I, 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 that's, that's realistic. What I've invested in it, what I have on it, which is why I have backups and why I take safety measures, but that's attachment. And we've all had that item, that person, that thing, that title, that job we thought we wanted that didn't work out and we were devastated. As I'm going through my meditation teacher training, uh, one thing my teacher says is all things happen for all reasons. We are never gonna know the answers to some questions we have, but when we sit through awareness, through the lens of separate from ego, when we look at attachment of what we're defined by, which is just ourselves, that's the goal. The goal of the paradigm is to help identify and be identified and defined by self. That's where your foundation sits. An attachment to things or people. I can love someone wholeheartedly, but the attachment is separate. The attachment of holding on for dear life. It's the analogy I heard when I was a kid. If you find a baby bird and you, you hold on to them so tightly to protect them that you squeeze them to death, that's attachment. But by slowly, gently opening your hands a little bit and letting the bird breathe, knowing it will likely go away someday because it has its true self to be a bird, that when that bird goes away, we thank it. We wish it well. That's true self. Squeezing it and holding it so tightly that we suffocate it, that's attachment. Be aware. We all have attachments. I have attachments. Um, my parents are older. I have huge attachment to my parents. They've, they've given me nothing but unconditional love my entire life. And I used to say I'd die if anything ever happened to them. Well, through this journey and through this podcast and through this paradigm, we are born to die. We are born to have an experience and we are born to die. Buddhism as a life philosophy. I studied a lot of Buddhism as a life philosophy. A very good book, Lama Surya Das is the author, Awakening the Buddha Within. He talks about Buddhism as a life philosophy. And he's like a lot of Buddhists revere death. 
and they revere death so that it helps us enjoy present moment. If I'm worried about something two years down the road, six months down the road, a month down the road, what am I missing in present moment? So what are we attached to? So be aware of attachment. Generally, that's the ego. The ego always wants more. The ego will always start with self-preservation. There will never be enough for the ego. Be aware of that. So that's a lot for this episode. (laughs) I'm debating breaking it into two episodes. I guess you'll see when you're listening if it's one or two episodes. Uh, So by being aware, we are aware that we're more than our thoughts. We have thoughts, we're separate from them. We have attachments, but we're more than our attachments. That's that centered foundation. We're aware that we will always have thoughts. We're not fighting with or trying to control them. We can try to redirect them, but we can't get rid of them because it's a part of who we are. There's that expression, and I'm not gonna quote the philosopher right, so I'm not gonna try. I think, therefore, I am. And one of my early mentors said, I am, comma, therefore, I think. Meaning, to be alive means to have thought. So we don't don't try to cure ourselves or rid ourselves of these thoughts. We don't try to control them. It's it's not going to happen. But we let go of the idea of fighting or controlling. We sit with them. We become aware of them. And through that awareness the journey can begin to separating from your thoughts. Thank you so much for listening. This means the world to me. I I believe so wholeheartedly in this message. I will probably end up repeating myself many times, and that's out of passion, but I do mean it. Please leave some feedback in the comment section. Please, you know, ask your friends to listen. Again, it's not about getting listeners. It's not about me. It's not about likes. It's it's truly one of those altruistic moments in life where I suffered for so long because I thought I was broke that now that I found this way out, I literally want to share it with the world. So having you here, whoever you are, I hope you learned something today. I hope you take it with you. And I hope you share it with friends and family. If just the concept that we are more than what our thoughts say about us. Thank you. And always remember, let's be nice to ourselves and remember to be nice to others. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.